I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back, everybody who's joining us live on Instagram to Ideas Digest, the podcast practice where we break down the invisible lines that divide us, called ideas, in order to find the humanity that connects us. Because let's face it, we're all humans, and I think we have that in common. My name's Conrad, and if you're here, to, you know, to find to be entertained, you, you might be in. This, this might entertain you a little bit. If you're here to, to like hear a debate or to have your little echo chamber validated, you could be in the wrong place. I mean, you might have an echo chamber experience here, but if you keep listening, hopefully, I can just pop that echo chamber and show you something that might trigger you. So that's that's the hope and goal of this podcast is to try and break the echo chamber a little bit and see if we can. You don't have to agree with an idea. You don't have to disagree with an idea. You can just sit with it and, and think, hmm, what do I think about that? And see if you can see how and why someone thinks something different to you. That's the goal. That's the goal anyway. If, uh, if it doesn't occur that way, then I'm sorry, but I'll try my best. <laughs> Welcome two new friends of the show, Adrian and Josh. You may know them better as the dirty, rotten church kids. Uh, Adrian and Josh, thanks for joining me squashed together on Instagram Live here. Yeah, we're going yeah, for like a, like a Siamese twin thing. Yeah, it's great. It looks, my, my posture looks horrible. I really it's have horrible. bad posture. I need to kind of tighten up. My mother would be so upset. <laughs> you don't look as close as I bet you are. So <laughs> if that helps. <laughs> I can tell you that he started, he just put on deodorant maybe an hour yeah. ago. I can yeah. tell you that. Oh, well, what are we talking, Axe? It's kind of like, no, it's kind oh, of like, dude, I'm not 13. Yeah, no. <laughs> I dare you. This is not, it I, might look like it, but this is not a middle school locker room. <laughs> My my Australian uh, listeners there, I was showing my knowledge of the American market there. We call Axe links here, but yes, it's still in middle school locker rooms yeah. or the changing rooms as we call them here. Yeah, so yeah. same market segment, slightly different name. So Amazing. thanks for joining me. Um, I'd like to have a have a bit of like a surface level intro with you both so so if we're like if we had some like background conversation music and we met each other you know a little at a little like family dinner or gathering mm-hmm. or maybe a church event who knows yeah and and we kind of walk up there's a bit of like talking in the background I'm like oh hey hey oh my name's conrad nice to meet you what how how would you introduce yourself just your surface level like oh hey i'm josh i'm da 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 just introduce yourselves as if we've kind of just met at some little like gathering i guess it depends on the context i would probably just say hey i'm adrian and i wouldn't <laughs> I mean, say much else about myself i'd be like oh cool man like what do you what do you do for a living I go, oh, you know, I work at a tech company, and if they go, and if they kind Ooh. of push, I go, oh, what do you do for fun? Then I would talk about podcasting and making content. Okay, okay, awesome, awesome. And so, oh, like podcasting content. Oh, cool, cool. What's that about? Uh, well, it's for like people who come from religious spaces, kind of recovering from religious spaces. Um, and so we have like a podcast, and then we make <laughs> like Instagram memes and shit <laughs> uh, for people who kind of come from that very specific niche. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Ah, oh, and what I, I'm actually, I actually need to pause here and go, which one's Adrian and which one's Josh? I'm Adrian. 
Okay, Adrian. Oh, well, nice to meet you, Adrian. Oh, Josh. Oh, what do you do? You, know, you talk to Adrian. You already know everything. <laughs> uh, no. So I work at the same company as Adrian. Work at a tech company. Oh. Um, yep. And uh, in my fun time, if I have that, it's just time with my family, wife, two kids. Uh, Steph and I have been married for eight years. Our son, Noah, is six. Our daughter, Emma, is four. Um, yeah, and also do music. Adrian and I met a while back, right? Yeah, like 12 years. Like at playing worship music at a church. And then um, oh yeah, we had an epiphany. We are like, we don't like the music that we play in church. We should start writing our own music. So we did that for a while. We're still doing it. I mean, COVID put it, like, pumped the brakes on a bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, we did that for a while. And then Dirty Rotten Church could just kind of spring up after we both left the church that we helped plant and start. And we had all these questions about just questions about like other faiths or is the Bible inerrant? Is the Bible actually true? And we had no one to turn to. So like we should start something in case people come across this question themselves, which we didn't know that was a thing because we were so like secluded in our own little bubble. Um, and come to find out when we started like airing our questions and putting them on a podcast or talking about them in DMs, a lot of people have the same questions. So that's kind of how yeah, DRCK spun out of control. Okay. Okay. Cool. I feel like I've got like a bit of like a surface level yeah. knowledge. Where, where, where in America are you? Are you at the moment? We are in South Florida, yeah. the the oh, bowel, the bowels of the country. Yeah. We're in the part of Florida that <laughs> yeah. everyone in the world hates. Yeah, including us. Including especially us. Yeah. I've been to Florida. Water was very warm. I yeah. go into the water and I'm like, this is hotter than the air. Why am I swimming? Yeah. I believe that. I actually lured you guys into this trap because when it, when when we meet people, I found out a bit of surface level information from you, and I've just loaded up a few little assumptions. And I put out to to our listeners and followers and whoever's paying attention, going, "Listen, we all meet people. I've just kind of met you both, got a bit of an overview. I've got some assumptions, and some of our listeners have confessed to me some of their assumptions just by like scrolling your Instagram, seeing what's going on. So, so I want to play a game with you where. Uh, we're just going to confess our assumptions here. We're going to be honest. I've judged you. I heard you from Florida. I've got some judgments. Oh, and, and they're probably all right. I'm going to be like a little bit gracious about it. I'm going to let you give a right of reply in just a single word answer, just a yes or a no. Okay. Okay. So no nuance. I'm going to categorize and box you, but I'm at least going to give you a bit of right of reply. And we'll, we'll have some nuance discussion right, later. So black or white um, right now. Yes. Got it. Like yeah, it. black and white. This, like this is the comfortable zone where you belong in the boxes I put you in. Okay. And, and I'll let you choose. Great. Okay, perfect. So, <clears throat> Florida, I've got to start there. You must be 80 years old and vote for Donald Trump. I want to say yes, just what? because you can see us. <laughs> yes. No, but the podcast is out there. Right. No. That no I'm, I'm going to guess it like. A visually, I'm going to say place you like between th- like late twenties to like mid thirties. It's yeah. hard to it's hard yep. to guess age. Yeah, no, it was a broad bracket. I really made yeah. that easy. It was myself. a broad bracket, but you nailed it in that bracket. That was perfect. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so that's a no on two counts. All right, so you're not. Yeah, they're clearly not old, and I guess not Trump voters, but they are in Florida. So yes, I don't know if you're following U.S. politics. I hear that's going to be a tough one for Biden to win. But we'll, yeah, we'll I don't know later. what the hell is going to happen. It's that's a <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started. Neither does the world, and and we're all looking forward to it. I think. yes, I really yes. think. <laughs> so tech company. 
Yeah. And so the Florida kind of changes it. So I'd be like, oh, you're working for like you Google or Facebook and you're violating people's privacy in some regard. No to the first, huh? but yes to the second <laughs> half. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Tech company, classic young tech company people just move fast and break things, right? Yes. Yeah, hopefully, I'm, I'm, hopefully okay. not. I, I, I try not to. I try to fix more things than I break. <laughs> yeah, um, but definitely yep. young tech company. So I guess yes is probably a fair. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And now uh, these these are a few coming through from my listeners. I'll I'll distance myself a little bit from from some of them. Actually, no, I've got one more. Um, muso, you, you said you're musos, so you must always be late. Um, you must always be late. I no, yeah. I hate being late. I no. No, I'm. I am. I am. True. They were, to a fault. Yeah, they they were on. They were five minutes early, or even earlier than that. So I've, I I can testify to that. I have a few muso mates, and they kind of just like they're like, yeah, yeah, man, I'll see you there. And then I text them like, oh man, I I'm running half an hour late. I'm like, cool. Like no, you no, told no, me no. half an hour ago. Um, <laughs> all right, that that's a no. That's a no. Okay. So some listeners have confessed to me, and I'm I'll, I'll keep it anonymous. But they go, they looked at your Instagram and they've gone, you must be some boring hipsters with nothing original to say. I would <laughs> say... Really thinking about this, though. Yeah, I would yeah, say great. yes. Yeah. And that's why yes. it's not original and a lot of people connect with it. So Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I mean, originality oh. is... I mean, yeah, people like it. Then how original is it? Yeah. So, yeah, sure. Oh, that's actually really And good. we were yeah, super we into coffee. Too. Yeah. And we have, like, yeah. random tattoos. Look at these fucking tats, bro. And we have, like, yeah, we're hipsters, I think. <laughs> and you're like... Are you always sipping? Is this what happens yeah. when you guys buy a coffee? You, you, one of you say, Adrian, you go and you buy a coffee. Josh, you're like, oh, how is it? And then Adrian goes, that's all right. This guy is not my usual guy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would say that has happened. Yeah. It has certainly okay, happened. I knew it, yeah. yeah. That's, that's definitely happened. Okay. Not in like a condescending to that person. But more like a, this isn't for me. <laughs> yeah. Not like this, this isn't that, my that fucking barista. That barista. No, yeah, no, no. It's more like, do you ever, this isn't my coffee. <laughs> do you ever ask like, oh, what kind of bean you got? All the time. Yeah, that's our, yeah. It's so like, I don't really drink coffee. So I'm just trying to like learn the lingo. So I fit no, in a bit better. You're on the money. Dude. Yeah, you're, you're you nailed it. <laughs> yes. I never would have known. No, good. Excellent. Excellent. The mustache really fools you guys. You guys like, I thought guy you were going to serve a coffee just yeah. as soon as we hopped on IG live. Yeah, 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 coffee, coffee. Yeah. Um, all right. You must be some judgmental, wounded church kids that just attack anything. I would say you said you want a yes or no, and I'm I'm very hard at just doing. Yeah. That. So yeah. Uh, can you can you say it again? Pick a box. Ju- judgmental, yeah. wounded church kids just lashing out, attacking. So no, yes, no. I would say we're, we, I was more, I'll speak for myself. I was more judgmental when I was in the church. If anything else, I'm less Ooh. so. Yes, I am wounded. And no, I'm not lashing out at anything. I'm just explaining how I feel. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll yes, no. I like yeah, I'll that. Through, I'll go with what he said. I would say definitely no as no. far as judgmental. Yes, as far as wounded 100%. Yeah. And then no, not lashing out at anything. I stay in my lane. I okay. only lash out at the stuff that I, I stay in my lane. Yeah. Are you then cynical atheists? No. 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 Yes, no. Okay. So. <laughs> and I know we're not doing a, a yes and a no for every single phrase, every word. Yes. <laughs> yes to cynical no, and no, no, no to atheists? No. 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 no for me. Okay. 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 Yeah. 
No, that's all right. You found the flaw in my game. You've segmented it. <laughs> okay. Uh, you you kind of uh, left the church because you were sick of rules and wanted to just rebel. You just wanted like a bit more sex or something. No. 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 I wish no. it was that simple. No. I wish. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the okay. thing is, there's uh, a lot of sex happening in the church is no one's talking about it. So <laughs> it's not the lack You don't have sex. to leave the church to have yeah. more sex. People are just having it in like and then just crying about it and feeling really awkward yes. the next day. <laughs> yeah. if, if, the sex happens, but you just get guilt afterwards. That's right. that's you wanted guilt-free sex, but no, that's <laughs> that's still a no. Okay, all right. I think um we've I've confessed a few like generalizations. A few of the atheist one would be common. Well, they must be atheists, and we'll, I think we'll we'll kind of get to that. But to the to the clickbait, which I probably should have said just before, clickbait being. Church kids are the worst. So mm. Mm, some church kids might be thinking, whoa, what are, you, what are you talking, what are you saying about me? Or, or maybe they might talk, be talking about themselves. I don't know. Time to find out. Uh, tell me a little bit before we go into like you guys explaining church kids being the worst and your journey to that. Uh, tell me a bit about like your upbringing, background, like what religious denomination you grew up in where whatever you kind of think is relevant sure um so i i'm from i was born and raised in florida i've been down like was here my whole life um so i was always in and out of like the baptist southern baptist kind of kind of deal um i was like born in the pew i was always in church um and then started singing christmas pageants i still remember like the feeling of an old lady handing me the mic before I sang happy birthday, Jesus. And like, I was just so nervous, dude. I wanted to puke. Um, happy birthday, Jesus. Is that really a song? Happy birthday. They don't have Jesus. that. They don't have yeah. that in Oz. No, you don't want it. You don't want it. You can no. have it. No, <laughs> no, uh, but I feel like yeah. I'm missing out. Yeah. Uh, but then as I got older, I would say like into my early twenties, like the late stage, like college and going further from college. I got into reformed theology a lot because that was kind of going around in our circles. A lot of Mark Driscoll, David Platt, Matt Chandler, um, Mars. So reformed theology. Yeah. People yeah. might have heard of Driscoll and stuff. That sum that one up for me. So reformed theology. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> saying what's that, like a the headline? Uh, the, the headline. The underlying theme of reformed theology is you you deserve all the punishment in the world. Uh, and then, uh -huh. like, God, uh, it, the, the, the more you know how wicked you are, the more you will appreciate, uh, you will, like, cognitively uh -huh. ascend to the appreciation of God. That's kind of the reformed very, theology in a bucket. Yeah. Very, like, penal atonement substitution, yeah, where it's like God's going to kill his son, pour yep. his blood on you, and you will be saved. Yeah. 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 So that, yep. that was kind of okay. my, yep. my church background. Uh, for me, I would say, Conrad, I grew up in the Pentecostal church, the Pentecostal tradition, which is like my grandpa was a preacher. My great grandpa was a preacher. My dad was a preacher. Uh, so I grew up in kind of like the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, a lot of crying, running in circles around the uh, the sanctuary. And then uh, very like expressive, very expressive tambourines and like testimonies that last forever. Um, and then I moved to a megachurch context. And that's where I kind of got baptized in like evangelical with a trademark symbol at the end of it. Um, everything is about numbers and stats and turnout 
and all those things. Um, so is that different to Pentecostal, the evangelical I would say, church you went to? Well, I would say it was like a non-denominational. So it wasn't nearly as kind of like we're here for the Holy Ghost. It was more subdued, uh, still there for sure, but it was a little more yeah. implicit. Um, okay. And so the, the megachurch thing then went Southern Baptist to kind of swing the pendulum into this sort of like from this experiential church where everyone has to feel and emote. I decided to swing the pendulum to a Southern Baptist and reformed Whoa. thing, which was like, it is not about your feelings. It is about cognitively yes. ascending to thorough knowledge of scripture, deep knowledge of theology. How well can you talk Jesus? How well can you talk God instead of how well, how closely do you feel it? Um, that's kind of what my, my made you, I guess, make that swing from like very charismatic, very open to very intellectual. Here's the theory. Here's the down the line theology. I followed a girl to the church. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. So no, just, no like, I think this. No, I literally just showed up and then I followed this girl there. We didn't stay together, but I became best friends with Josh. And when you become friends with people, you kind of just yes. adopt, you homogenize immediate, whatever it yeah. takes to homogenize. Uh, and when you're, okay. you know, a kid who's moved around a lot, which I have, <clears throat> Um, you kind of jump at any opportunity. And I think a lot of church kids feel similar. If you've moved to different churches, you very quickly go, what do I need to do to homogenize? And what a piece of that pie was, you're going to let go of all like the mushy feely stuff. And like, we're like mm -hmm. deep, we're, we're solid Christians. Yeah. And we're going to talk about God and things like that. And go like logic, reason, Yes, theology yeah. and you guys be... met at this church yeah so that's where you met at a southern baptist church yeah yep okay okay and your parents adrian you were saying like your your dad was a preacher like very like come from a very i guess pentecostal christian background yeah and josh were your your family you come from like religious as well um so my mom and her family uh, left Cuba when she was pretty young. So it was like Catholicism mixed with Santeria, uh -huh. which is like Catholicism and voodoo. So kind of that okay. weird woo-woo spiritual stuff. And then my dad uh -huh. grew up in like a quote-unquote Catholic household. Um, but his family life is still just crazy. Um, so he didn't really ascribe, ascribe is it the word? Ascribe to ascribe. any religious thing. Um and then, but, but then my parents both met at the church I was, like the church I would end up going to and the school I ended up attending, they, they met there. It was a, a Baptist church. And I think, so, I think why like the, a lot of Catholics, at least uh, when they left Cuba or left South America and they ended up in Miami or Hialeah, the reason they assimilated so well into the Baptist kind of model is because it does carry a lot of the same like Catholic check boxes like it, there's tradition there's plenty of guilt to make you feel like you didn't do enough there's ways to like get rid of that guilt um so yeah my, my mom's from cuba my dad's from ohio and then florida i guess it's not the halfway point but it's somewhere in between so that's where i ended up and what led you into going to this southern baptist church that you ended up meeting at i uh was that i was actually at i didn't mention this i was at a really big mega church down here um, leading worship for uh, middle school, high school, and college. 
And I was there for a long time. It's kind of where I cut my teeth on like learning to play with others, like music wise, which is really helpful rather than like just being a musician by yourself, jamming out in your room. There's like a lot that goes into like reading someone. So that was super helpful. Um, but I grew up in that church. It was a super mega church. I left. A girlfriend I was dating ended up dating my best friend and my best friend was like the son of the lady. It's just so fucking complicated. Like romance is woven. Yeah, it's man. baked into our story, Conrad. Yeah. Do you feel it? I'm I'm hearing this. I'm hearing this. Like it's yeah. it sounds like the teenage the teenage boys that you were yeah. were like looking for belonging and yeah. romance. Yeah. And wherever you kind of could find that, like, Ooh. oh she's pretty good looking. She's going to this church. You've found a community in in these areas and then found I guess a bit of purpose and a, and a bit of belonging playing music um, getting to play with others because I mean outside of church it's yeah you're right it's very difficult to find where where can you regularly get together with people and yeah. play music 100%. together so so is that like the factors I'm hearing that kept you in is this community this friendship the girls and then the music the shared passion for music that kind of kept you in this, I guess, Southern Baptist churched world for quite some time? I would say, yeah. I think that when you grow up, like, if you're a person that likes music and you grow up, like, wanting to perform, like, you want to play, then you pretty much will kind of go wherever you feel welcome to play. And so, at least for us, Mm -hmm. like, playing music, and I think a lot of the worship leaders that we talk to, it's like, there's something about, like, you feel closer, like scientifically, like you feel closer to people you sing with. Like it's just a fact that by singing in in the context of groups, you become closer. And so doing that two to three times a week, you feel like these are like your, this is your family now. You know, it's more than just picking up your guitar and singing some songs. And, And I would say the college culture down here, the university culture isn't so much like a college or university town. And so if you're going to college, university, you kind of just attend classes and leave. The campuses aren't like a thing. It's not like a huge to do. So right. a lot of the community that can be found is around church. Like there are so many churches down here. There's tons of denominations. And I think what the church has done, or at least did when we were attending, was community pretty well. Um, and so that's what attracted me to it. I was always in it. But then I had so many friends in and around it that even outside of church, I was always hanging out with them, like just doing whatever. Um mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it was, I, I didn't have much else to do. So so I guess there's, there's a couple of different ways uh, you could take it where you, where you want to go. You can either bring us to the church kids are the worst in your journey to like this, this idea that you're talking about. Or, or go towards the, I suppose, the gateway drug idea that began to lead you to, lead you to where you are today like that kind of not necessarily the idea that you still hold now but that first like domino that started to go well girls and community are really great but something has pushed you into a journey that might have led you out of this comfortable space into something else yeah um i I think both will probably happen (laughs) Yeah, but basically, basically, we were in this Southern Baptist church. And from there, we decided to plant a church. And so it was was for like years, we were at this sort of pop up church where you are seeing behind the curtain. So there is no more facade of like, this is a cool church where like your bills are paid for, like, you are seeing kind of like all of the pretty makeup um, is, is peeled away. And so 
you see a side of the church that is like just trying to survive. Uh, and so what happens is um, we kind of got turned off by a lot, at least I did, is I got turned off by the Reformed theology that was fueling the church plant. And so the Reformed theology essentially continue, it rides on the fact that you are the worst. And the, what, what a friend of ours says really well is that Reformed theology just kind of re reinforces a narrative that you've been taught your whole life if you're a Christian. And that is that you're the worst. You're a dirty sinner. And I think there is something about being raised a church kid, being brought up, like, like, like Link said, like born in the pew. Mm -hmm. That means from the get, one of the first thing you're handed is like a Bible and the guilt that you killed Jesus because of something your ancestor did 2000 years or, or you know, thousands of thousands. Because you're simply human. Correct. Yeah, you because you're human, you're like scum of the earth. Yeah, correct. And I think for me, there is something that is unique to people who have been brought up in evangelicalism from the get-go, which I imagine people who maybe are kind of adjacent to religion, kind of adjacent to Christianity, didn't have that language woven in. Um, the whole point of like the clickbaity thing is like maybe they wouldn't have experienced that. But as church kids, you're the worst yeah. from, you know, from, from the moment you're born, you're the worst. And, and not because you're a kid that goes to church, but because you're human, because yeah. there is this, I, I guess, is that the doctrine that you hear people say of the doctrine of total human depravity? It's like yeah. you, you are a sinner. You will always sin. You will never be good enough. Yeah. But the good news is if you believe these things, Jesus will stand in front of you, I suppose, and God will look at Jesus and not you, but you still remain to be a kind of dirty sinner. Right. And I think the thing, like the domino for me was, like you put it so simply, Connor, that's, that's, that was like very succinct. That's great. When I started seeing, when we were like on staff at this church that we planted, we had other questions about stuff and we were trying to really, South Florida is a very weird place to do anything. And planting a church in South Florida in the city we planted in is even more difficult. Very affluent community. They don't want to see a rinky-dink pop-up church. Right. Um, so we were trying to come up with creative ways to just connect with the community, think outside the box. And we started finding that there was a bunch of asterisks included. Well, if you love Jesus and you love God and you follow the Bible, that's great. We're like, okay, so what about like the LGBTQ? Well, that's another thing we can't have in. Like, right. that that you're was not married, never you said. Can't be, can't be having sex. Yeah, you're not married. And, and like, like all these other things that kept falling, and like, it, it got to a certain point where it felt it, it 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 was plain for me to see that I was being told, "Hey, we can talk about these things." There's close-handed things. There's open-handed things. Close-handed, the Bible's perfect. Jesus was half uh, was fully God and fully man. Uh, Adam and Eve. Open-handed things. Uh, baby, uh, infant baptism, and all these other church things. And when we started asking questions or I started asking questions about the open-handed things, they very quickly became closed-handed things. Yep. One, because either they didn't want to explain it to us because we just need, I needed to set up the stage and they didn't have time for, to answer a question I had, or it's just that the person in charge just didn't feel like we were like worthy of an answer. And it seems like, Oh, worthy of an answer. What was me? But like <laughs> looking back, it's exactly what it was. So. So you guys, um, as I as I kind of unravel this this picture, is that you you were very behind the scenes, seeing how the sausage is made. I suppose you've got the leaders, the worship leaders. You're very involved yeah. in the church from week, like regularly going week to week, to the point where when they go to plant a church, which I guess is starting another church yeah. in another area, 
like you were the you were the people that were involved enough to go okay we're going to take on this responsibility so it's like it sounds like you're almost pastors we were pastors. yeah we were yeah we were pastors oh like you were like legit creative you... yeah we held the yeah. title yeah okay wow so you were like in the role of leading people in this religious way i suppose but ex- yeah. but in the specific realm of like music and worship and leading people yeah. in those areas the stage and like to set up the yeah. lights and, audio. You're, and you're, you're you're selling the vision that's being kind of yeah. cast by the top people and you're like rallying troops to the cause like you are middle management yeah yes <laughs> yeah. okay solid middle management and so what then are as you're starting this church what are your what are the goals the metrics the the i guess what's the reason for starting a yeah. church if if when you when you're in that is it to like bring more people to jesus is is that the the idea or is it uh to make people believe more what you believe is it to reach out to different like what are the goals and metrics and things that you had to as middle management start hitting what are these kpis yeah so to answer one of the questions it was it was a non-denominational thanks Giselle. it was non-denominational it wasn't and independent. It was sort of independent because we were on our own, but it's not denominational. Um, I was going to say, I thought it was Southern Baptist affiliated. Well, that's a, that's the thing. No okay? one knows. That's the thing. What were the metrics? Who knows? Yep. What were the things we were measuring? Huh. Who knows? Because yeah. at the beginning, we were on we were on staff, quote unquote. But uh, the lead pastor asked everyone who was volunteering to give him to give us to give the church a year. Give the church a year. We're going to push for a year, and after a year, we can kind of reconvene and go back. After a year. No, there was no other meeting, and if it, it, uh, I'm going to use a football analogy, but like American football, I'm out. But <laughs> but but the well, change. I've watched a few. I've watched yeah. a few of the Patriots games. I gotcha. You know you know about Axe. You're good. You know about American stuff. Links. <laughs> yeah. So the the um the chains were always moved. Like the goal was always moved. Yeah. And at a point, I'm like, okay, we're like three or four years into this. It's not really doing well. We're still like draining our volunteers. They keep asking about this one or two year commitment they gave you. And so that was another thing is like, I don't feel like we're treating people responsibly because we just keep using them for their sweat or their ability to build things for us or cook things for a church. And I would add too, is that I think seeing how the sausage is made, like you said, seeing these metrics that are like constantly being moved, seeing like your people kind of burn out and get exhausted and you being exhausted yourself, that is like the backdrop. And then what was happening, at least for me in the beginning, and then Link shortly after, Josh shortly after, is that while that was all happening, I started to question the beliefs that I was handed. Mm -hmm. So it's like, imagine already being exhausted, seeing exhaustion, seeing kind of some weird disparity between what's like peddled at the front and then what's actually happening in the back of the house. And then all at the Mm -hmm. same time, you're going, hey, did God really say this? Does the Bible really mean this? And is hell really this? And that was kind of the magic cocktail. Am I hearing, I suppose, a witnessing of the idealized values and here's the story we tell as, I guess, a church leadership team and people who are on staff like you were. You're seeing like, here's here's the messaging that we say, here's the things we believe and we are non-negotiable about, like that closed fist of like, here is who we are and what we do. And am I hearing like a little bit of you looking at the people serving going, man, these guys are burning out. We're not looking after them. Okay. These members are struggling with certain things and we're kind of ignoring that. Did you start to see a bit of like, 
I guess, a disconnect between the product I suppose you were selling and then the outcome is saying maybe not helping people as much as you thought they were. Is that maybe what began to crack and for you to actually start questioning, well, am I doing the right thing here? Yeah, because, yes, to answer your question, yes. And when members of the church would approach like the upper leadership, like the people who made decisions and asked them to do certain things, if it didn't specifically line up with what the lead pastor and the associate pastor wanted, they, were, they couldn't do it. Or they would do it but not give them like any resources. I'm like, if we want to really, one of the things was serve the city by like reaching out, helping out local schools, do a bunch of stuff. If someone's taking initiative, like we're not going to help them at all. It's kind of like, hey, you, you go to your own thing, but our church is doing this thing. So it, it, it I, I don't know, it kind of felt like self-defeating to a certain point. At a certain point, like I, after Adrian like took a, an extended sabbatical or just left, basically, I was still showing up super early on Sunday morning to set up. And after setting up, I was also leading worship and I was doing a lot of stuff. But I look around, I'm like, just nope, this doesn't seem like a happy place. People are coming here because it's something they do and they have done repetitive, like over and over again. Now those friendships are great and I love seeing people. So people are in a room like, oh, I I get to see you. That's awesome. But nothing like for so long I was given, well, your generation is going to be the generation of revolution. There's going to be like all these things that we were given. Like, well, I'm in a place where I can affect a revolution, whatever that looks like, or I can help people. But I feel like this church is not doing it at all. And I think, too, is that... It's spinning its wheels. Yeah. And I think, too, is that there is very much a kind of just to, like, touch on something. And I'm not sure if I'm meaning to get there before you wanted to get there. But it is very easy to go, oh, well, like, these guys went to church, and so they were church burned. Mm-hmm. And so you're pissed at the church. And so you're going to become a dirty, rotten church. <laughs> if you're a salty fucking person who just hates the church. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's like those things were, like, seasoning. You know what I'm saying? Like that's icing. Like that is surface level symptoms of what we found to be a far deeper undergirding thing. And a lot of that undergirding thing was like the doctrine that Christianity projects or evangelical Christianity, especially projects that needed to be unraveled, or at least we felt we just didn't believe. I just couldn't get on board. Couldn't keep getting up every Sunday morning, keep telling people to, to shake hands with somebody and to sing a song that I don't buy into and to, you know, and so it was like, really it was, it was un, unraveling these doctrines that were driving all these behaviors. So it wasn't just like, hey, you're a hypocrite. I hate that. Hey, these people are burnt out. I'm out of here. It was like, these people are burnt out and this hypocrisy is happening because of these deeply held mm-hmm. tenants that are being trickled down. And it's the fabric, right? It's the thing that holds all of it together. And that's what had to come apart for me and for Josh. And so mm-hmm. um, it definitely is a yes and where it's like, was this happening? Yeah. yeah. But we very quickly were like, we need to get underneath it and see what's really happening. Yeah. Like you looked at it, it sounds like, as if these symptoms pointed to something, but then you'd ask, well, why is this? And I suppose you'd been in churches for long enough to go, this is this has been in a lot of places I've been. Yeah. Why is that? And then I suppose, to link what you were saying before, you'd say, well, what if we ask questions about this and then you discover that there wasn't a willingness to engage and talk to you on a level where you can understand or unpack what were some of those questions that i suppose you were beginning to ask as you went into this doctrine level being like what are these ideas that are feeding this behavior what are these things we believe 
that keeps leading to these outcomes that I'm witnessing and not super helpful for people. What was maybe one of the first couple of questions you started to ask that you found couldn't be answered well? Yeah. So actually one of the first people we had on our podcast, uh, Danny Prada, um, you can find him on Instagram and everywhere else by that name, just Danny Prada. Um, he is a local pastor here. And what kind of started it for me was hearing how before our meetings and like peppered into our staff meetings, the other pastors would kind of throw him under the bus. Oh, you hear what Danny Prada said this week. He said this about this. And now he's affirming of the LGBTQ. And now he's bringing in Episcopalians and he's bringing in imams to talk. And I'm like, are we talking about it? Like, like Danny Prada was weird. They didn't know this. Like I served with him at another church. So now they're bringing yeah. up his name. And now I'm curious. I'm like, so what do you mean about Danny Prada? I was like, no, just stay away from him. Don't look at his Facebook stuff. Oh. His wife, his wife is, uh, was a bodybuilder, yeah. Emily Prada. And so she posted like bodybuilding pictures and the pastors were throwing shade at her. Like she's showing off her body. I'm like, dude, if I was a bodybuilder, you bet. Naked, yeah, bro. I'd be like, Naked, yeah, this freak out every day. Yeah, yeah. dude. So <laughs> that, that just hearing another local pastor. So a bit of judgmentalism. Yeah, judgmentalism. And then when I'd ask the question, so like, so what's the problem with being affirming? It's like, well, I mean, they can attend the church, but they can't serve in the church. And like, are you, like, like, I don't understand the fear of letting LGBTQ plus people in. That To me, that was a big one. Um, and so say, you would ask that question. You would say, <laughs> why can't LGBTQ plus people be on staff? And, and the answers they would give or no answer. didn't seem to explain. No, no answers, right? Yeah. Just moving along with the meeting. So it's like they got to say their piece about Danny Prada, throw him and his wife under the bus. And then that's the end of the and conversation. And then like, the conversation's gone. Yeah. Um, and, like right. another one for me was it's just really weird stuff. There was, a, there was a couple who was not married but living together. And so that was a whole entire like two staff meeting discussions about whether they could serve in children's ministry because they weren't married and uh, under God's blessing um, the way women were treated, basically, when they ever, whenever the women in the church asked for something, it was like, well, yeah, you can go find the money, you can find the time and find the resources and do it yourself. And whenever they would complain about it, like, it was like brushed off. Mm. Like, oh, this is, it, and it was like red flag after red flag after red flag. I'm like, I, I just, I just can't do this. Um, th- those are mine. I'm, th- I'm sure there's a ton of other ones. For me, I think, yeah, I, for me, the biggest thing was, um, when you go to enough churches and every denomination thinks that they have the secret sauce to salvation, but no one can agree mm-hmm. on what that secret sauce is, you start yeah. to go, maybe no one has any fucking yeah. clue what's yeah. going on. And so for me, the biggest thing was going, hey, this person says that they're going to hell. And this person says that the person who says they're going to hell is going to hell. And so for me, the deconstruction goes, what is the bare bones? It wasn't so much, I, I believed hell was a real place, that heaven is a real place, but I was like, what is the ground what is the baseline that everyone needs to be to truly get into the pearly gates right so for me that was the thing and i was like well it started very small so i go okay well if you're not reformed does that mean you're going to hell and that fell apart i was like well obviously not because my grandpa was a pentecostal and he's one of the most godly people i knew and then i broadened up circle you know a little wider like well okay what about um what about gay, gay people it, does that mean they're going to hell? It's like, well, no. And, and then I went, the, the table just kept getting wider and wider. And then I was like, well, what about people who don't even profess the name of Jesus? And what happens is if you continue to kind of extend your table longer and longer, 
you can't, you can't make it shorter because once you go longer, you can't make that table shorter. And so the biggest thing for me was going like, I think that you guys are building a house of cards on something that has no ground. Like there is nothing holding up this whole thing and no one can agree on what the walls are. You and what was funny about the agreeing part is that we were part of a church, a um, church plant community down here. Like a like co-op. Four, yeah, it's like four or five church plants that were all together. Um, and what was really weird to, was to see is that we all started out around the same time, like within a year or two of each other. Um, Allison, that's awesome. This this all fucking hits home. That's awesome, Allison. Hey. Um, but it was weird watching the churches we were a part of a community of, like buddy buddy leading worship at other churches. It was weird to hear our pastors like start being competitive with them. Like if we're all part of the same team, what's it matter if we have twelve and they have twelve hundred? Like why why are we getting all snooty about this? Why are we pass? Why are we talking like these? like sewing circles stories about, oh, this pastor said this and this pastor said this. Like, I thought we were all part of the same team, but apparently on our mm. same team, we can't even agree. Like this, and it, it, and then the thing is, and when, when you were saying that, Adrian, I was thinking, if at that moment, like we would have been able to have conversations around that stuff, I'm pretty sure no work would have gotten done. We would just keep asking questions. But at least there would have been some like, okay, like I, I thanks, I, we agree to disagree. Yeah. Um, but it just, th- there was no room given to us. Like, like we were like, there was no room at the table. We were already at the table. We were, we were on staff right. and we were told, no, just, just go ahead and, and keep doing what you're doing. So there's this level of you being on the in, on the inside, yeah. but then still not really being accepted, still not really being included, still not yeah. really being fully loved in, in some sense of the word. And then as people are pointing out why someone else is wrong and why someone else is going the wrong way and why uh, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. You're sitting there just asking these questions going, well, I might've thought that and I could have said that. And you're, you're witnessing this, I guess, measuring who is more saved, I suppose, or who is more right than everybody Mm -hmm. else. And as you, I'm, I'm hearing like an interesting, the testing. So you have like when Adrian, you were talking about, um, you still believed in heaven, you still believed in hell. And within this framework, you had, I suppose, the measuring stick of human connection. So that it started with, okay, well, we're the exclusive saved ones. We're like, well, hang on. The per- this person I know in my life, my granddad or dad, like they're not this. And they're, my human experience with them tells me there's something really good and that belongs. So they go, okay, well, obviously they're not judging that person right. And that expansion of the table sounds like it's the, as you include humans into your circle. So if you have gay friends or something like that, all of a sudden you go, well, I know this person, are they really condemned? Like, are they really? And so in a way I'm hearing like you taking a lot of these theological ideas you were handed and growing Mm -hmm. up with, you're taking them very seriously and they're still part of your operating framework. But as you expand it, you kind of come to the edges of, okay, well, is heaven and hell real? Yeah. And I suppose to ask the question of what you said, Adrian, when you when you're talking about there's nothing holding up these house of cards. Is that what you mean? Like you got to the edge of the house of cards of heaven and hell. Talk to me about when you're talking about there's there's was nothing there. What what well, are you meaning when you're saying that? So first to say something 
there, I love the way you put that because that really was my experience. Someone told me something. I think it was from Rachel Held Evans, whom mm. we all miss and love. Rachel Held Evans was an author, and she wrote that uh, the gospel wasn't offensive because of who it excluded. The gospel was offensive because of who it included. And so I had mm. never heard that before. And so this sort of informed a lot of my thinking to go, okay, let's get everybody in. But to your second point, what I what I kind of did was go like, what what is this thing that is propping up um, the whole religious structure? And for me, it was like a very strict biblical literalism. It was going like, this is the book, this floating ball of fire that descended from God's hands, just divine dictaphone straight onto the quill, right? And so it is this literalist interpretation that informs everything else. It informs the way you see women. It informs the way you see the LGBTQ plus community. It informs the way you um, uh, live your life because you think that heaven and hell rides on it, you know? And so for me, um, and I'm, to be honest, I'm still trying to get to the bottom of it. So I, I definitely wouldn't say I found the tabletop, um, but the biggest thing was biblical literalism. And then as soon as I started to let that go, for me, all of, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't just keep going through the motions singing, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God is high. You know what I'm saying? I just couldn't keep doing that. The one, the one question Adrian asked me, or something that you, I think you told me, was, and you might have stolen the quote from someone and never credited it to them. I probably most did. Likely, most likely the case. Most likely what happened. Um, but, he's, but Adrian said the Catholics have the Pope and and Christians have the Bible. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then I'm looking at I'm like, then Danny Prada said something. Uh, he said, the way he said for himself, the way he looks at the Bible is he starts with Jesus at the top and everything else filters down through that. So you look at what Jesus' life, you look at his teachings and the way he interacted with people. And then you look at Paul's writings. Does Paul's writings match up with Jesus? If it doesn't, then you let go of Paul's writings. You let go of anything that doesn't match up with Jesus. So I'm like, that's interesting because the church sure sings about Jesus a ton, but really holds on to what Paul said. Yeah. Jesus is for the music and Paul's for the sermon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> at least in our, in our <laughs> circles. Okay. So, so you well, guys were, oh, that's, that's actually very interesting that your music almost handed you a different lens than perhaps other people might have oh shit I, I don't know if people could just see it but i had a light bulb actually go off my head it looked like i had a, <laughs> yes. a but yeah, i did too um, i just yeah. grabbed him by the balls yeah um that's another <laughs> um but essentially of course yeah of course um but in our songs they were so emotional heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss when oceans rise i whatever all those songs right so we have all these emotions that are incorrectly just attributed to the feminine species the feminine traits. And then we go into this hyper-masculine sermon about you can't have emotions. Interesting. You have all this stuff. Like, Women submit to your husband. Yeah, there's like a, a severe cognitive dissonance between yeah. going from worship where I'm like, my heart's pouring out. I'm connecting on an emotional level. Like you may, might not be hearing the words like really like paying attention to them, but they're like floating over you. And then you go straight into like this fucking systematic theology sermon. And you're like, I don't, it's like a hard left turn. And, and then you're told, wait, well, then, then as, as worship leaders, we were told your music's too emotive. There's too much emotions in your music. I'm like, oh. And then I what happens know. too is that I think once you start to see some issues with 
first you see the cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Then you realize like, hey, I don't agree with some of the stuff that's in the sermon. And then you even start to go, I don't even agree with some, <laughs> some of the, the lyrics song. in the songs. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I don't believe that yeah. God is this abusive dad who yeah. beats up Jesus. And now I got to love this God who beats up Jesus because of how, you know what I'm saying? Like Jesus is so good that he takes the beating of this abusive dad. And that's, and that's the very, you died for my sins totally. on the yeah. cross, all yeah. those, yeah. I suppose, Hillsong and Bethel, yeah. Bethel songs that are very, I, I guess would be penal atonement theory yeah. type right. songs. Yeah. Right. Sure. Sure. Un- unpack for me a little bit when, when you're just talking about um, the feminine and masculine that, mm-hmm. that you're talking about. You're talking about like when you're singing worship there's that jesus there's that emotive there's that connection there's that creative expression and then to contrast that it sounds like you're describing that as like a feminine type Mm -hmm. uh experience or energy or something like that and then comparing that with the with the sermon which is highly logical systematic like if this then this and you must be like this and it generally the pastor is probably it's probably a man that you might have yes. some women up there as well talk to me about that like when you're using the feminine and masculine what you're what you're talking i would hang about a lampshade on that yeah so i would oh, hang a lampshade and oh, say oh, first of all they yeah. told us yeah hold on I, sorry I, okay sorry I, I got words i know you got words Go. <laughs> i'm usually the one who doesn't know what the hell to say <laughs> um but i said the feminine masculine thing so y'all cleared up so yeah that, that is something i've been unpacking since I left the church, right, is the way specifically with my spirituality, things were, I was told things were attributed to different traits. When Adrian passed along a poem, who's that poem by? The Godmother of oh, God? Oh, yeah, so there's a poem by Allison, I forget her, her, her name. It's called Mother God, right? It's called God Our Mother. And so it's a poem written about all the attributes that God has that's more akin to like a mother's love and in, 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 a, in a mother's trait, right? And so I didn't have terms for masculine and feminine back in the church. But now looking back, I'm seeing we were told not to have emotions because we, we there was even something that said. Yet you still had music. This is this is very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So it, it, it was said that I, I remember being told that the music or the songs and the lyrics that Adrian would pick were were too were too like girly. We don't have enough songs for men. So what kind of songs would you pick that, it, that you that you felt drawn towards? Give us some like oh, examples. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, well, there are songs that there are people who... So I think growing up, like a lot of the songs that... Honestly, a lot of the worship songs in general, but things that like Crowder would write yeah. felt very lyrically emotive. John Mark McMillan, Phil Wickham. These are songs that we were feeling and they were like, wow, this feels really good and it felt poetic and stuff. And then, but because you grew up in Mark Driscoll land, yeah. we would shit on... on feminine worship leaders and yeah. feminine music you're and tight fem- you're tight jeans and you're unbuttoned v-necks right and you're singing you're crying all the time I'm like yeah. wait i can't have these emotions right. why he's like we well, gotta be a man and god loves men I'm like oh what so you so there, <laughs> there becomes an internalized self-loathing when, yeah. you're, when you're a worship leader because you go how do i find songs that oh. sound really good how do i find songs that sound yes. really good but also the lyrics better not be womanly the lyrics better be manly and so because the lyrics were paul I had to find songs that would just really be straight out of scripture. Every yeah. single lyric in this song is got is is oh. theologically sound. And so you're already pulling apart what feels good. You go, this feels there's something in me that resonates, but no, that's too feminine. Mark Driscoll said it's too girly. We gotta pull it apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I'm fine. yeah, I find that whole train of thought very interesting because you as creative worship leaders and people mm-hmm 
um, creating music and spaces and experiences, I suppose, for the church, which on some level they value. But then you had this internal conflict that says, well, the things I'm drawn to, these more poetic, beautiful, like musical, you want to create space like this creativity and is like this creating things beyond words, right? But mm-hmm. then you've got this, I suppose now using these words of masculine idea yeah. of going, let's now dissect it. Is that theologically correct? Is that, uh, is that truly describing God in the way that my theology says is the correct way to describe God? Because it is like, um, as I'm thinking now, relatively familiar with a lot of worship songs, I don't know if I can even name one that sings about God as a mother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wish uh, it did. That was amazing. Yeah. I'm sure. And, and let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If you were to point blank ask, um, say, a, a leader or, or someone you were in church with who might have been very specific about the songs they wanted, if you were to say, well, don't you think God is beyond, like, it's obviously God's not a man because it's God. Is God a mother as well? Uh, what do you think they would have said to that question? Well, yes. Well, I, I didn't have I didn't have that question back then. I didn't even that didn't even cross my mind because I didn't even think about God's gender. I just kind of took it as it was. But to kind of give you context, this band Gunger came out with a song called "God Is Not a Man," and that song was like a big song. Like, oh, God's not a man. It's like a revolutionary thought for everyone. Like. And so I didn't even have the language for that. That wasn't even a thought in my head. Yeah, same. And I think if they, if I did think of it and I asked them, they would go, well, what does the Bible say about what God is? Oh, God is a God, dong. God. I forgot. <laughs> no, they would say, well, God revealed himself as father. Yeah. God has revealed himself as God our father. Yeah. God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. And Jesus was a man. Like it would always be oh, okay. pulled back into a very literalist interpretation and say, so would be like, well, God has never, if God wanted to be revealed as a mother, then God would have been revealed as a mother, which actually oh, I found nice. out that if you did look into it, there are passages where the Holy spirit is, is uh, kind of like akin to like a mother hen kind of like keeping all of her eggs kind of together. So there is, it is there. Yes. It, it I, have, there where we were I have heard, I can't remember who it was. I have heard someone, maybe it was Richard Raw, talking about the hovering spirit in Genesis over yeah. the ocean. That's the brooding hand, the feminine of of God, I suppose. But what they would say to you is they wouldn't say, well, God's they they wouldn't say God is a man, but they would say what you've just said, he's been revealed as man, so therefore we rela- must relate to him as a man. So it's yeah, I understand that that difference there that ultimately results in a, it sounds as if the feminine is to be avoided and it's like beneath, you don't want too much emotive worship Mm -hmm. music. You don't want to be crying. Um, And I suppose that's probably your specific church context, right? Because I I can imagine, I guess, Pentecostal uh, might be more open about emotive worships. Yes or no? Oh yeah. Yeah. and, And kind of two things to that. One, wanting the men is was a very strategic like marketing move on behalf of like our church circles because men were the least likely to attend church. So if we were to serve the men, the men will come. The women will most likely come. They'll bring their kids because we have a good child thing. Um, but the men are ones that don't really come. So we got to cater to them. Yeah, but yeah. We found a, there's a video by Mark Driscoll who said that. Exactly that. You get the men, you get the money, you get yeah. the family, yeah. you get the kids and like, 
Like it's, it was a strategic decision. And, and part of that is going, Hey, well, you can't have music that a man would feel uncomfortable singing. You know what I mean? And then and another thing was like, when we, when I asked questions, I was asking questions, like, like basically putting myself out there, like opening myself up. I like, Hey, I know you're a pastor and I know I should know the answer to this, but I have an earnest question about fill in the blank. And like what Adrian said, I would be bearing my soul, but they would deflect to the Bible. It's like, well, we're not both opening up here. Yeah. You, oh. you said you said we're brothers. Okay. You said you said we're on this mission together. When I open up and bear myself to you, you don't take the time to either do that. I don't expect everyone to do that, but you would. Oh. It would. It was a hundred percent deflect to the Bible. Deflect to the Bible. I'm like, dude, I can't continue to do this because this is actually hurting me. Right. Because you're not having a conversation. You're not even giving me what you think. You're just saying, what's the Bible say about it? And it's like it's a it's a really big uh, trope. Like, oh, it's just the Jesus answer. And that was like pretty much carried out through throughout. That is interesting. So if if I break down a, a little bit what I'm hearing, it, mm-hmm. it sounds as if you're taking these things you're being told very seriously and yeah. personally. And you're coming to somebody saying, I don't know if I feel okay with X or mm-hmm. Y. And, and you're... Trying to, I guess, have an authentic conversation with with the person. It's you're you've moved these ideas. So you're handed a theology, which is an idea. It's a theory. Mm-hmm. It's like here's how we think the universe is. You're handed that. You take that in. You absorb it, and you go, "How does this work in my life?" Exactly. And then you go to somebody and say, "This part doesn't seem to be working. I'm I'm being my authentic human. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that." And so it sounds as if you got to this level. Of I, it almost sounds like rejection in a very subtle, indirect way, where you go up and say, "Here's, here's like what I need answers for. I want to explore, and here's my personal struggle." And the, and it's almost as if, and I, you know, I never, I never want to label motives and things for, for let's say the faceless people we're talking about, but it's almost as if the Bible was just used as this shield to then that that the Bible almost stood between you and a personal connection with somebody. So instead of them saying, Oh, like I can like even tell me more about you, even like tell me how that affects you. And let's like a bit of like a a listening, like therapy, I suppose just going, Oh, like tell me why this bothers you so much. Oh, tell me where it's not working for you. It sounds as if it didn't get past the question. The Bible was held up. It protected them from connecting with you but it also rejected you in the sense that it's like, I, when it sounds like Josh, I'm not being seen by you mm-hmm. and I'm not connecting to you as a human yeah. and I can't keep going over these impersonal theologies. We, we definitely had that experience. It's like we felt like anytime you asked a question, we've talked about this before, is that anytime you ask the question about something, the answer was always treated like you were preparing to mm-hmm. get into an apologetic debate for college. Yeah. So if you ask a question, if someone asked you a question, it was never to actually ponder and consider and go, I don't know. I have no clue. Let's figure it out. It was always like, oh, that's a good question. I better come up with a fucking answer. And so everything had to have a definitive company line that was a clear rebuttal to any sort of quandary or issue. So it's like there cannot be any holes in, in, in this boat, like everything has to be buttoned up. Like there has to be an answer for everything. And because all evangelicals really have is the Bible, they don't trust experience because you're told not to. They don't trust their heart or their opinion. They're told not to. All you have is the Bible. 
So that's why it's always like, well, what does the Bible say about that? Like you're always sent back to it. And eventually you're like, dude, mm. the Bible's a book. And I'm asking you a question that has, it's not in there. Yeah. Stop looking. You're not going to find it there. It's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. And what's really interesting as well, now that I'm thinking about it, as we're saying it out loud, is that going back to a question, like uh, I think maybe one of your listeners, you said like you're just judgmental, just reaching, like lashing out at anything. Looking back yeah. now, I know the reason we were given those answers is because those pastors we served under were given the same answers when they asked them. And so they were just repeating what the people in leadership before them did to them because maybe they didn't have the time to digest it. Uh, maybe they didn't have the time to really think about it. And what's funny is that the pastors we church planted with left their previous church because they were just dumped on hard by the lead pastor, like, like objectively treated horribly. And so when mm -hmm. I'm coming to a pastor that I've like fought on the front lines with through another church and like really had their back when they were going through the mud, to, to ask questions and to like step into our friendship and take the church hat, church staff hat off and my friendship hat on, I get the same treatment that he got when he was getting dumped on at the previous year. Like, dude, this is just yeah. not at all what we talked about. And then not at all like, and then, and then to, when you said scene, I'm just remembering things you said, Conrad. Uh, yeah. So many of the comments we get from people who listen and don't like us or from family members is that, oh, you're just, you're just snowflakes. You, you just, you're so e emotional. I'm like, yes, I'm emotional yeah. because I had so many years of being told my emotions weren't important. Mm. And yes, I think everyone should be seen. So that word seen is like, a, just like, and oh, I, you're a snowflake who wants to be seen. I'm like, you need a safe yes. space. Yeah. I, 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 I would like, love that. Yes. Thank you. Everyone wants to be safe. I, I think too, is like, I saw someone asked a question. They're like, well, why don't you just leave? Like wash yeah. your hands of it. Mellow design. Yeah. And it's a great question. I think for us, like, you first of all, I deconstructed for about been deconstructing for four years. I haven't been in church for three years. So I did leave. I've left three years ago. Right. But what happens is that you can leave. And if you don't try and get underneath it, then you're just going to be just as legalistic and dogmatic and fundamentalist in another sphere. And you're just going to swing the pendulum to some other way and just kind of like pour your fundamentalism, fundamentalism into that. At least I've seen that happen. And so what we had to do and what I think a lot of the podcast has been, our podcast, as well as the Dirty Rotten Church Kids handle, has been going like, how do we tease this out? Like, what was that? And what informed that? And what did that look like? And why did we feel this way? With the hopes that like, by you pulling these things out of the drawer and laying them out in the daylight, it robs it of some of the torment that it held over you for all those years. And like, I dedicated three decades of my life yeah. to the church, yeah. like same with you, like yeah. that was everything to us, you know? And it isn't so much of going like, fuck you and fuck the rest of it. And as much as going like, I left because I was so hurt and I needed to leave after trying to fix it for so long, but what do I need to do to truly heal? Um, and so all of this was, was just us trying to heal. Yeah, we, like, like I said at the beginning, is just, we had no intention of anyone hearing anything or seeing anything. Like Adrian and I, oh, and now we have kids, so we hang out less. But our wives are friends, so we hang out occasionally uh, when our kids are happy. And then they get really pissed off. The next <laughs> and then second, I leave. So I then we have to leave. Um, but I, I told Adrian, like, we just talk about a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. We talk about, like, serious stuff. We talk about stupid stuff. And we don't always agree. We're very, like, very opposite as far as, like, uh, I almost said pentagram. <laughs> Enneagram. Um and so like our, our attitudes kind of 
differ on things. And so to me, that was always healthy to have someone who didn't always agree with me. I'm like, dude, we should just record this. If, if for nothing else, then we can listen back in a couple of years and go, wow, we were way off or wow, that was interesting. It's pretty funny. We said that. And then when we started putting it out, like the, the podcast got listens. I'm like, wow, more than 10 people listen to it. That's awesome. And then it just picked up a lot of steam. And then what's crazy to me is like, even from your neck of the woods, we're getting DMs from people from New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, uh, Switzerland, all that have stories so eerily similar. I would have sworn they went to my church. Yeah. Is your pastor my pastor? Yeah. We're the same person. I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't understand. Like then, then I'm going back. Like, I wish my younger self would know that he was not alone, yeah, yeah, that yeah. he was not feeling these feelings because he was being rebellious and you're being a millennial right. and you just want everyone to cater to you. You don't want to do any work. I'm like, there are people younger than me and much older than me that are going through the same thing yep. in just different parts of the world who don't even speak English, who I'll most likely never meet, but somehow have stumbled upon something we've done and just shot us a DM or an email. I'm like, this is, this is wild. And to, to just to touch back to something you had said earlier, Conrad, is that it was the human connection that I was filtering all of my beliefs through mm -hmm. that caused the deconstruction to happen, right? This is the theology I was mm -hmm. handed, but I had to filter it through my human, physical, the physicality of living. And I think that has just as much informed what we're doing now. It's yeah. going like we are trying to just make connections between our experiences uh, with other people as well. So the, the thing you, you've held on to is that human lens, which obviously you can't get rid of. You are human. It's how you see the world. It's relationships. It's, it's people you encounter. It's new experiences you have. And that's the thing that you, you're filtering. Well, what is loving? What, what is helpful? What is helping me? What is giving me trauma or helping me, me deal with the trauma? And ultimately, yeah, it does sound like that, that human lens, which it sounds like maybe some churches might ignore or subjugate or uh, like suppress a little bit. Um, and, and go intellect, and then they press the human experience. Yeah, well, it's just your yeah. feelings. You guys are just uh, you're, you're snowflakes, and you're just being sensitive, and you're putting your emotions above logic. Be reasonable now. Like At yeah. the end of the day, if you say, hey, Josh, Adrian, just be logical. That's really me having a go at I'm saying, come on, use your brain. And, and it's, 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 there's the level of, yeah, I'm saying use a certain type of thinking, but I'm also saying... The other way is not as good as logic. That's yeah. the implicit yes, behind exactly. that that 100%. statement. Yeah. Talk to me about your your work now. The memes you do, like some people might uh, look at, say, let's some people who are still in church or religious spaces might look at them and go, well, they're just like complaining and critiquing and lashing out and and hurting people. But then I think Steph uh, Bal on here was saying yeah. that your memes are so cathartic. Yeah. Like, talk to me about. You know, when people look at it and they might think you're just ripping off people and hurting people and lashing out, how do you see the work that you're doing and the purpose and all those things? So, I feel like I can say this. Everyone who works at church is already doing this. Yeah. They're, they're doing it behind the scenes. Yeah. There Tell are, me that. Yes. Well, there are people that, that we, there are some friends of ours that are still in church. And they do the same thing. They just text us. They don't post about it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And they're saying the same shit. They're saying the same thing. They might not say fuck or shit or all these like use foreskins as much as we do and then stuff. Uh, but everyone is 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 very much behind the scenes shitting on other churches. 
It's very competitive, very backstabbing. Oh, you hear what that Church by the Glades did? You hear what Potential did? Right. It's always like behind the scenes before they go on stage to play for those churches. Right. So we're just doing it one step further. Yeah, we're just like, well, I told Adrian when we started this thing, I'm like, dude, I want to do something where we don't have to worry about any church ties. I'm fine with never playing worship music for any church ever again. Yeah, we were prepared I, to be black. I'm, I'm ready to burn all my bridges, dude. <laughs> if we're going to do this, we have to be open and honest. Uh-huh. And that that meme humor, whatever we posted, the stuff we said before, and totally. now we just can say it. because. And I think, too, is yeah. like we there is a freedom that we are not beholden to upholding a brand when you don't yes. work at a church anymore. Yes. Yes. And so we have a unique opportunity because we don't have anything to lose, but we have truly a lifetime of experience. And so there are a lot of folks who are like, dude, you're, you're saying exactly what I'm thinking, but I could never say it because I work at, yeah. at a church or, or my, my dad is a, is a pastor. All right. And so we are able to kind of, you know, like when you see someone who's like, man, I'm glad somebody said it. I couldn't be the first one to say it, but I'm glad somebody said it. That's kind of all we're doing, at least in this particular little niche, right? We're not the, we didn't invent fucking, evangelical memes like not at all but (laughs) we are are able to like poke fun at a particular thing and kind of take the the sheen off of it like take the veneer of like oh you can't talk about that oh you can't touch on that because we have nothing to lose so let's just say it get it out in the open rip the band-aid off and people can fucking get you know you can shrug it off if you want but a meme is with you instantly and whether you like it or not it's there and if if i was a car mechanic for 30 years I'd be making memes about car mechanics. Oh yeah, I'd be the best car mechanic memer. Yeah, just but, the best. But yeah, um, yeah. Amy P. Scott, uh, poking fun helps me heal. Same. Amy, that is exactly what I told one of my family members when they asked me, "Why are you guys so harsh? Why do you guys make fun of things?" I go, <laughs> "Making fun is my defense. So I like my shield, a defense that I can put up. I can laugh about it, and then I can get closer to the issue. Because if I go directly to the issue." There's too much emotion involved in that. At least through the laughing, I can go, ha, that's pretty true. And then I go, why is that true? Mm. Like, oh, because, yeah, that happened to me. I, I personally can't just jump in the deep end head first yeah. and get cracked my skull and have a spinal fracture. I've got to approach it with, with the shield of humor. Yeah, I think, too. And I think sometimes there's a million ways to heal at something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you need to flip a table and you need to rage. Sometimes like, you need to that just what Jesus did. Yeah. I'm being like Jesus, bitch. Sometimes you need to. <laughs> that's what Jesus said. That's what he said. I'm, I'm being, being like Jesus. Jesus. He was saying of, about himself. Um, no. And, and like, oh, so gosh. sometimes you need to rage. Sometimes you need to mourn. Yeah. And sometimes you need to laugh at something so it doesn't torment you. Right. Yeah. It's like that freaking, what was that Harry Potter movie where it's like ridiculous and you like picture your worst fear and then you yeah. picture it in a funny hat or some shit. And then it's not scary anymore. And I think that's kind of what's happening in a lot of this stuff. Yeah. We, we post serious stuff and our podcast gets real serious. Yeah. So it's funny when people go, well, you're, I listen to your podcast and it's the same thing. I'm like, there's no, there's no way you listen to our podcast. Now, granted, they are very long, uh, but there are episodes. Hey, Joe Rogan does it. Go as long as you want. Thank you. Pete Thank Holmes, you. too. We're Pete a good Holmes. company. We're yeah. right up there with them. It's like us, Pete Holmes. <laughs> yeah. <one>. Uh, <laughs> but it, there is like our, our memes and Instagram, you don't have much time to dive into. It's very surface level. Ha ha ha. That's funny. Pass it on. But our podcasts go into, and our guests, the guests we've kind of stumbled upon and have found in this odd corner of exvangelical or thinking deconstruction stuff. They, they touch on topics. We just did one with Lauren Scott from Colorado. She's a, uh, a, a sex therapist, a coach, amazing, amazing woman, kind of redefining what sex positivity looks like, what removing shame looks like. 
uh, giving, someone asked a question on here talking about purity culture. That's something that I didn't even have a word for until I got out of the church and realized. You thought it was just childhood. Yeah, I thought it was just the <laughs> 90s for me. It was just the uh, 90s. Um, Everyone was doing it. It was yeah. the 90s. So no, everyone was not doing it. Everyone yes, was not doing yes. anything. It was the well, I was doing stuff. I just I was wasn't doing, doing it. it. Yeah, and then I was just crying about just it later. Yeah, yes. I had to go to Bible study. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it's it, it is a lot of ha 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 poking fun, at, like poke at the bear because we know the bear. We, we spend a lot of time with it, but like on our podcast, I, I take pride in just we're we're very open about the fact that we don't know anything. Yeah, we're idiots, and it's been really refreshing and healing to hear these other people who have gone before us sort of um the naked pastor david hayward um he's an older gentleman kevin he, garcia whom you've spoken to oh kevin we, garcia we both adore them. joe yeah. Lumen. I've, I, and david hayward too as well he was on oh. as well similar similar thing with the cartoons the... yes and, and there's these people who have gone before us who's like it's okay it's okay to rage it's okay. It's okay. And this is for me because I was never allowed to be emotional or not by anyone, but by myself. I, I could be more rebellious and been more emotional, but I was always like, put your head in the sand, do the work. And now outside of the fact that I don't have to do work on Sunday and I can spend more time with my family, I've ha- I have a space to explore my own emotions. And so now I can rage and r- my rage can be holy. I can cry and my, my crying can be holy. I can laugh and I can have sex and I can eat and I can like stop the ice cream man on the street and we all buy popsicles for the neighborhood. And that's an also a holy thing. So when you remove yourself from the church where the church service is holy, the activities you do with the church are holy. They don't explicitly say that, but that's what's implied because everything else is called secular. When you remove that, like, well, this is all holy. Mm-hmm. Everything out here is holy, the good, the bad, and everything in between. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about this. What's interesting, Adrian? You know what's interesting, Josh? <laughs> let's, let's, get, let's get Conrad yeah. out of here. Get out you of here. You guys go out. <laughs> I'm going to go to the toilet anyway. (laughs) Uh, So what's interesting is that I think Josh and I, we've talked about this, is that in this process, deconstruction, faith change, the podcast, the Instagram handle, you have been more free to connect with these parts of yourself that you had stifled. Oh, yes. For me, (laughs) if I flip the script, I err on the side of being afraid and a people pleaser. And so for me, what Dirty Rotten Church Kids has done for me, it's, it's caused me to be braver. And in evangelical spaces, in order to fit in, you have to quiet yourself and you have to fall in. You got to fall in line, you know. And so hearing people who go, thank you for saying what you're saying. Please don't stop doing it. And then interacting with someone like Joe Lumen, who's like, I'm not fucking afraid of the church anymore (sighs) because I'm protecting somebody with with the words, the work that I do. It makes me braver as well to go, "Okay, shit, maybe there is something that can help and I've told this to Josh. I was like, this could be not to over aggrandize fucking memes, but (laughs) like, I feel more like I'm doing, I feel like I'm doing some of my best work and and I'm I'm in my thirties. I feel like for the first time I'm doing something that's actually making a difference. And um, Mm. if that means I have to fucking say some shit that people are afraid to post on their own stories because it's that scandalous to their circle, then so be it. Right. I'm happy to say it because then it's in your brain somewhere and you've thought of that. And even though you didn't tell anybody, it's there. And hopefully that's making you braver too. You're, you're talking about this, this, this connecting with parts of yourself that you had to repress, this using humor and comedy and honesty mm-hmm. c- combined together to be able to accept yourself and be honest with yourself and those around you and no longer operating out of this, this censored space of, of fear. I, 
I want to I want to talk about something that's interesting. You said uh, like a, a a bit ago when you're talking about at the beginning when you're saying you're doing this because this is exactly what the what happens in the back room of church yeah, in the green rooms, um, right? With pe- <laughs> in the green rooms with yeah. people just uh, with being like, oh man, I can't believe this bloody church. Oh, hang on. Oh, we're on. All right, yeah, we're live yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. How are we doing, <laughs> Michigan church? I don't know. I'm just made up an American state. Yeah, put you did exist. Here. You nailed it's, it for sure. It's, you nailed it. Yes, it's probably a church. So I want to. What would you say? So there's there's something I want to get your take on. Did this thing that pushed you out of the church because it sounds as if the 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 crapping on different pastors and and the infighting and competition within it really expose i guess i guess a darker side or a difficult nastiness that was there did that almost teach you what you're doing now and as you're saying what you're doing now is a form of therapy and acceptance do you think there's a possibility that the pastors in the back room and the worship leaders in the back room that are going, oh, this church sucks, that pastor's wrong, all those things, do you think that's also a form of therapy? Where do you think the difference might lie? That's a great question because that was just the norm. Um, I grew, I, the church I attended for a very long time was on a, was on a street, and people call it Church Street. Um, Marco... I think you and I would get along great, dude. Yeah, I like you a lot. Yes. Uh, Marco Pera, 95. Um, I was on a church street, and there was, there was like Baptist, Episcopalian, Pentecostal, then a Jewish temple, so many. And so it was just constantly that. You, hear, you see what the, 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 the pastor's wearing? That belt is $300. You see what the Pentecostals are doing? They're selling pumpkins in front. That's ridiculous. They're like, they're like uh, delegitimizing the, the, the church space by selling pumpkins and making money. I'm like, well, we're selling t-shirts in the lobby with our logo on them. That's another thing. Um, it, 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 yeah, I, I guess that is a form for, at the time, a form, a form of therapy to kind of like toss your grade out there and go, ha, 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 ha. and if anyone agrees with it, then you're like, oh yeah, we can shit on it together. Sure. But if no one agrees, like, oh, it was just a joke. It was a joke. I will button this up. Yeah. And yeah. I think too, is like, there are people who, to, to, speak to something someone did say like hey i saw someone had a question like hey if everyone who has something to say about the church just ups and leave then it's never going to get better <laughs> and and i i think that there are people who call themselves christians like today i don't call myself a christian but there are people who call themselves christians who are like staying right where they're at to go hey those evangelicals or this particular doctrine or theology they don't own they haven't co-opted jesus like mm-hmm. jesus doesn't belong to them as joe lumen says and so there is something about the people who are like, maybe if you're making these jokes, it's therapeutic if it means that you're going to use this healing and this newfound strength that you find to make change. Uh, and I think that happens. I think there are certainly people who are worship pastors and worship leaders who in their own way, by ragging on shit in the green room, are just trying to yeah. embolden themselves to have some really tough conversations and hopefully change a trajectory of the system in some way. Um, that wasn't my experience. I, I wasn't, I couldn't have stayed because it was doing too much damage for yeah. me. But to your point, but you're I open think, to that possibility. I think that is possible that there is therapy that they're trying to do to heal and they, they don't want to leave. Instead, they feel like there is something in them that wants to maybe right the ship, whether or not I think that's possible or not. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you afraid at any stage that 
you could become or are the very thing that hurt you so much that left the church? Are you afraid that you could become what you pushed against? So, for example, if you're this community uh, that's, you know, I guess through the form of therapy, connecting yeah. with those around you who are also traumatized, but then there is there is there someone like you in the corner of your corner going, like man, I can't believe they're like, saying this about this pastor i'm friends with that guy i can't yeah. believe what what would you say to that well we've actually had um people email us or dm us or somehow get in contact with us and say sort of the same thing not like i know that person um but like hey i don't really agree with this there was and we mentioned on the podcast someone sent us like a ton of voice messages on instagram a lot of them like <laughs> like a, a, like a podcast was, worth Yes. In one minute increments. Exactly. Um, And she's like, I don't really agree with everything. And why do you phrase it like this? And why do you phrase it like that? Like, wow, that's, that's awesome. Now, not everyone's going to be brave enough or want to go, Hey, I'll message them. Um, But I I think we do a good enough job to kind of couch everything we say was like, Hey, we have no idea really what we're talking about. We're sharing our experiences. And if like, I, I don't knowingly push anyone out, but I think we do a really good job of like trying to, like Adrian said, make the table as wide as possible. Where we have content trigger warnings in a lot of our stuff because some of the stuff we talk about and some of the stuff we say hurts people. Yeah. And we know that because it, it's just, it, it's triggering for us at times. And I think too, like we have always grown up in a thing where it's These like- comments are great. Yeah. <laughs> We've always grown up in this thing where it's like, you need to like fall in line. Yeah. You, you got to wear the jersey to be one of us kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And- what I have let go of in my faith change is the need to win anybody over. Yeah. We have no desire to convince anybody that, Hey, hell isn't a place. We have no desire to go, Hey, heaven is a, is a, is a place and crisis and everything. We have no, I don't, I can, can rattle off all the things that I personally happen to believe today, but I might not believe that tomorrow. And you, I sure as fuck don't want you to fucking start subscribing to some bullshit I rattle off on just because I said it on a podcast uh, six months ago, because I might not adhere to that in the future. And I think that is a, hopefully a fundamental enough difference that we're not here to become some sort of fundamental. We're not trying to, we're not witnessing. We're not witnessing. I'm not trying to make a a church out of this. I'm not trying to convert anyone. I'm not trying to convert anybody. Um, And that's the only thing, everything else, I don't really know if I can help and I'm going to cross that bridge when I get there. But the biggest thing is like, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. Mm. It sounds like the differences you outlined there from where you came from and where you are now is something to do with some level of self-awareness, some hopeful capacity of intellectual humility that says, I'm not going to hold on to this as tightly as before. And so you're not going to have some level of fundamentalism about it. And you, you hope that you're moving towards inclusion and not exclusion, but you're, it sounds like you're, you're wrestling with the tension of honesty with yourself and where you've come from and including people because, you know, certain opinions, certain ideas can force people out as well. It sounds like that's the, I guess the experiment of, of, of what you're, you're doing now. What, um, a question come through from Giselle Best, um, in like, interested in your path where you are now in a in i don't want to say relationship with god because that's yeah. a very general and and overuse where do you sit i suppose on the path of on your quote-unquote spiritual journey of spiritual being defined as 
wrestling with the things that are more than the sum of its parts, the things just outside periphery. Where do you sit there? Because I'm not getting it. I'm not, I'm not collecting any atheist, this whole, like, even though you mock in memes and things, mm-hmm. the church you can't, you, you've come from, I'm not, I'm still not hearing any, like, if you believe in religion, you're, I'm not hearing, I'm not picking up any Richard Dawkins vibes. Yeah. Well, where do you sit now? Go for it. Oh, fuck. Do it, daddy. Good luck know <laughs> what I'm going to say, because this is going to be a whole bunch of bullshit. I'll come and clean up the mess. Yeah, he'll, he'll clean up the room after I destroy it. Between the um, two of you, you'll, you'll do well. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. figure it out. Um, so, so where I'm at now is... And, and this, uh, this largely comes from Richard Rohr, and pieces of it come from Pete Holmes' book, and pieces of it comes from Rob Bell. It's just reading these things and kind of absorbing and letting them follow me. Some of it comes from Valerie Core, um, just reading and kind of discussing and thinking out loud. But where I land on on the on the thought of God, um, I feel there is there is a Rob Bell quote incoming, low bass hum that is that is driving everything, that is constantly expanding, that is. Oh man, Richard Rohr has a thing. It's not that God is in everything. Is that no one? What is it? God isn't. Not everything is God, but everything. God is in everything. God is in everything. It's panentheism. Um, panentheism, not pantheism. Um, that's kind of where I land. Like, yes, there's a God. And if we're going with the motherly and fatherly traits and that we are his children, my son or daughter didn't have to walk up to me and ask me to be their father. They didn't ask my permission to let them be my son or daughter. They were born to me and then they're kind of mine. So in the same sense, that's how I feel like where we fall. Like we don't have to ask God to be God's children, whoever God is, that that as Richard Rohr puts it, the divine dance between the the, the Trinity. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have to ask it to belong. We were born into it. And we we all have God within us. Um, and that me saying that out loud now, hearing my old self listen to that, someone mentioned it before. Uh your pastors would call that new age. Yes. Pastors would definitely call it new age. Old me would call that new age. Universalist new age. Exactly. Woo woo. Woo woo. Yeah. Um, but emotionally driven. Yeah. But, but seeing how much stuff after I got out of the church, how much stuff was out there as far as literature from like thousands and thousands of years back of humans describing their experience of the, of the other, of other people, of seeing the, the divine in others, of trying to describe the divine in their own context. I'm like, man, there is so much God and so much Jesus using my own definitions that I had in all of this, in all of this stuff. Mm. That's from the Middle East. That's from parts of Africa. That's from Asia. And like th- this, my, my white Republican God can't be like the the God that's pictured in my head. My Not only does my table get longer, but my idea of God also has to expand. That's a good question too. There you go. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right, great. Let me just sweep this up. No, that was awesome. I, I think I differ a little bit in that. I think um, a couple things. There is a part of me that wants to believe in this sort of divinity, call it God, universe, spirit, consciousness. Like there is a part of me that resonates with that, and and largely because that's what I grew up in, right? Like this is. There is language here. There, it's like it's 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 grandma's cooking. Like you recognize the smell and you recognize the flavors. So there is something that I 
hold to because that's the language that I speak. That said, my understanding of God right now is limited to what I'm experiencing every day. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I have no, I don't even think about what the next life holds. I don't think about what happens next. I don't think about the bigger plan these days. I think about like, let me sit down and enjoy this meal that I'm eating. Let me hug my kids as tightly mm. as I can. And there is a sort of agnosticism to that. There is a sort of, there is maybe an atheistic bent in some of that way of going like, hey, this is what we know we have. Empirically, we know we have this moment and that's all we know we have. Um, but I think there is also a kind of a mysticism there. And there is a sort of Christ leaning bent to that too. That's like, I think this is God that's happened. Like you and us talking right now, like this is church for me. Um, and only because that's the definition I'm going to give it. Uh, and so my relationship to God or to the divine or to whatever, I don't really have a title for it. I don't even have any sort of theology built around this stuff, but I had all experience and I almost don't even have any need for answers. Hmm. It sounds as if you've come from, you've taken the ideas that you were handed from your upbringing about this God, about this omni something being sky God or whatever you were handed, mm -hmm. took it seriously and went, well, now this box that I exist within doesn't seem big enough for the things I was taught. And it sounds as if you've pulled apart that box, kicked it down and gone, now I'm in a new space, but it, it sounds as if you're trying to be true to the things that you were taught that there is that this that God is within, that the image of the Christ is within all the humans and, and it's God is within all. And they, and, and I guess the upbringing you had would have admitted that and said, yeah, God is everywhere for sure. Mm. But it sounds like you've moved from a box that stopped you from experiencing it into a box that, or a wider box, I suppose, or a wider something that I guess allows you to, experience that theory a little bit more rather than the restriction of the theories put around it. Does that sound? Yeah. Pete right? Holmes says something, Pete Holmes says something that I love and I steal all the time. He said the beauty of faith change or deconstruction or pulling apart the pieces is that it's like you have a room full of furniture and you never wanted this furniture. It was all inherited. You just inherit it. You hand it to you. Right? I don't love this couch. I don't love this wallpaper. I don't love these frames. And he said, and so the, the, the task of taking it all down is a truly liberating thing where you're peeling away everything. Nothing is off limits. Let's get everything out of the room. And then once it's just you in an empty room, you can look and go, I actually really love that couch. And then you bring the couch back in. And that's kind of what's happening for me is going like, there is something without even trying, you pulled it apart. And then you realize I like this couch and the couch just happens to be the same thing that I was talking about when I was 12 praying on my knees. Mm. It's the same. There is something there. Uh, and to me, that's mm. when you come, that's when you get there, honestly. And that's how you know it sticks. Mm. How would you, and I'm going to flip this to each other, if you were friends, let's say, Josh, when you were younger, if you were to look at Adrian today, younger Josh, looking at Adrian and the direction he's gone, the memes he's posting, mm -hmm. what would younger like Southern Baptist that uh, chasing the girl, following the girl in the church. Yeah. What would he think of now Adrian? Josh was also a racist back then. So he 
Don't ask that. You got guy. me. Um, <laughs> no, we're in uh, a safe space. Yeah. Um, no, I would say that Adrian's going to hell, and that what he's doing is damaging. It's not bringing it together anyone. It's very divisive. He is too emotional. He needs to do the work of God instead of just trying to get people to like him. I'm just basically saying what everyone's told me. Um, just repeating that back. But okay, yeah, it, it, it's that. I'm like, because the only the only thing I can think of, the only thing that makes sense in my head is what I did a lot of. And it was funny because I did it so much back when I was like in the church and working at a church. I was super like drive by, put my theological gun out the window and spray the bullets. And I don't care where the bullets land. You, you, you don't you don't believe that you're you're born sinful. You don't believe in the Trinity. I'll, I'll drive by and I'll spew verses at you. I'll hit you. And who cares? Um, I was very much more like that. And no one called me out for it. And now I'm the complete opposite or I'm like, I'm, I don't care about any, arguing with anyone. And then everyone says I'm doing that. That's kind of funny. That's funny. Mm. But yeah. So I guess the the inverse of that. Yeah, what do you think about me? So Josh, so Josh gets the uh, he gets the judgmental position. Now Adrian gets to be like, Adrian, you now. How would you have seen that Josh saying those things to you? The you now looking back at past Josh saying oh. those things. How would you look see at me? Oh. Look at me and do it. I would go. I yeah. get it, man. I get it. You get it. Sex is gonna be great. It's gonna change your life. You've been you've been, <laughs> you've been just jerking off and crying about yes. it for so many years. Yes. I would, I would say that I totally, I get it. Like I, I've been anything that anyone says about me, I would have said about myself. Mm. And so you cannot say, <laughs> there's like this millennial joke. It's like, you cannot hate me more than I hate me. Yeah, It's true yeah. though. Yeah. Like, there, like there is nothing that a Christian person who's deep in it can say that I haven't told myself yeah. in my quietest moments of self-loathing. Yeah. It's not possible. You know, the, you're angry, you're bitter, you need to find more Jesus, you, you're you just mad at the church. Like, you, you know, like you're, you're throwing rocks in, in a glass house. Like I've heard all those things and I've said all those things. So I would just be like, I, I, I get it, I hear you, you know? And mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't need to convince anybody. Yeah. Is there anything, Josh, Adrian, as we come to the end, is there anything you, you want to clarify, add, say, up, up to you? I don't... Uh, me clarifying things just make things more complicated. <laughs> so, I think you've done pretty well. You've been great. So, thank you. See, I need to accept compliments. You're doing outstanding. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're doing very well, well. If I did something wrong, if you think I'm really a racist, then definitely DM me at Josh Link. <laughs> And uh, Adrian yeah. will jump in the DMs being like that one time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll be like, you don't even know. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I think <laughs> the only thing I would say is, is definitely like um, we wished when you're going through a faith change after being embedded in it and that's all you ever know, you don't call it purity culture. You don't call it Western evangelicalism. You don't call it, you know, like neo-reformed self-loathing. You just call it your childhood. You don't think that what you have experienced is a, is a, is a felt belief with other people. And so because of that, you feel completely alone. You feel completely isolated. Um, and so we always just wished that we had somebody who would just say kind of some of the shit that we had felt. Um, and so I guess the whole thing for us is like, we just hope that people know that like, they're not alone. It's all going to be okay. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that serious. Um, 
And as Allison underscore Marie said, uh, we would just love to pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm hey, hey we, you want to take the moment now? Or? No, no, there no. have been so many weird things. <laughs> well, I'll be walking in the street. Okay, I went to passion conferences a lot in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't, I can't even count the number of times someone, hey, brother, come over here. I'm like a good Christian boy. Someone called me brother. I'm like, I have to go over here. And then they would just pray, put hands on me, and pray for stuff. Your hands are sweaty. Walk away. You are so sweaty. Like we prayed. Is that nice? Like, was that nice? Like, or, or I, weird? Or I had to act like it was nice because I'm like, well, they spoke tongues, and I don't agree with tongues because that's very oh, heretical. Oh, right. Um, but oh, was, Southern Baptist, you're like really holding your, your tongue yeah, in poop, their tongues. Yes, exactly. You're like, yes, get away from me, please. Yeah, that's right. Get behind me, say. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to being Thank open, her. honest. Um, just engage with with good conversations. It's been it's been awesome to awesome to catch up. If you're if you're listening to this episode and um you you disagree like wholeheartedly and yeah. you made it to this point like, <laughs> bloody good on you yeah like, it is it is not easy to listen to someone or something that you disagree with for that long yeah. and whether you agree or disagree i'm a bit callous and i just go i don't i don't really care i'm i'm hoping that we can move beyond disagree and disagree and i'm hoping that through chatting to Josh and Adrian, you can at least understand. You might disagree. You might agree. Hopefully, you can see how they got to where they are and and how the ideas they hold help them now. And if if you want to take this podcast from a passive listen to a practice and tr- kind of movement towards developing the ability to listen to people we disagree with, that is very difficult. It is very hard to do. I'm still practicing it. Hence the podcast. Uh, if you want to engage with a bit more three things you can listen to the episode that triggers you the most so if, if you if you're loving this episode this is not the point it's a sweet echo chamber and i'm glad you enjoyed it but go listen to adam my friend southern baptist guy go listen to him and talk about why women shouldn't be pastors very interesting it'll trigger you just go there straight away so number one listen to the episode that triggers you the most number two jump on instagram and ask a question that you think i missed because it's only me i've missed lots of questions plenty of other things number three send me a dm of what this podcast made you made you think about uh any other thoughts any abuse if you want to send some abuse to josh and adrian you can send it to me and it won't hurt my feelings i'll be like i love it all right i'll just pass it on uh either way either way so and once again it's it's um your moral duty now it's just the way podcasts work i think josh and adrian agree with this if you make it to the end Man, you've got to be some level invested. Make sure you jump on Apple Podcasts and review it because, yes. I mean, it's just part of the contract, right? Uh, Josh and Adrian, you're, if people want to, like, follow you and see what you're up to, where can people reach you, connect with you, where, where are your handles and podcasts and uh, things? For Instagram, we're Dirty Rotten Church Kids. Um, for Twitter, it's Dirty Rotten CK. If you want to send us an email, which a lot of people do, uh, DirtyRottenCK at gmail.com. And we have a merch store. Um, it's I saw that. I it's Teespring. That. That's yeah, very cool. Just search for us on Teespring. That's a legit podcast with with merch. I'm very impressed. <laughs> yeah, you guys are now my mentors with how to run a podcast properly. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to to chat. This has been awesome, Connor. Cool. You're, you're you're a good man. Yeah, this Charlie is crazy, Brown. dude.